I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. After years of pressure from pedestrian and bicycle advocates, City Hall has finally closed JFK Drive and Golden Gate Park to cars 24-7, while our shelter-in-place rules are in effect. Marta Lindsay, communications director for Walk SF, talks about why the closure is so important. She also has a new children's book out next week about Golden Gate Park. Listen to the end to find out how you can win your own copy. Marta Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Heather. It's great to be here. So after years and years and years of refusing, the city finally closed JFK Drive and Golden Gate Park to cars 24-7 while the shelter-in-place rules are in effect. What was your reaction when you heard the news that I know you yourself had been wanting to hear for a very long time? It, it took me a little by surprise. I, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't holding out a lot of hope <laughs> at that point. But <laughs> yeah. um, so it was wonderful. And honestly, I think because they've just extended the shelter in place, it's it really it feels like an extra gift just because more than ever, people need to be getting outside to, you know, get the physical and mental health benefits of of being active. So I think I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm really grateful. So um, I looked it up and there's more than 1,200 miles of roads in San Francisco that cars can use. Um, Why do you think JFK became such a touchstone for pedestrian and bicycle advocates? And why has the city been so reluctant to change that? It is closed on Sundays, but um, they they wouldn't do anything beyond that until yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think part of this is kind of beyond even what I can know and understand of what the Department of Public Health is thinking and all of that. So... um, who knows? Totally. Uh, only people behind the scenes can know that. But I think um, because it is just this place where, you know, it's the first part of the park that people can access. And so it's just naturally this place where there's more people. And and so it just, I think, immediately felt like such a win-win for health mm-hmm. to just, oh, you know, have that space be like it is on Sundays for the entire rest of the year when it really is you know, able to accommodate so many people. And so I, I think, yeah, it's, it just felt like, how could this not be it? But then I think quickly, and especially, you know, at Walk San Francisco, it was it's like, but there's also these other parts of the city we really, really need to be talking about too. So it was, it was great last week when the MTA launched the slow streets thing. And, and actually yesterday I, I was so excited about McLaren Park. That was Right. Not on my radar as a possibility. And I think that is wonderful. Obviously, not everyone can get to Golden Gate Park. And um, so we need to be serving all parts of the city. And that was great. And I know JFK has been on the city's high injury corridor for a long time, meaning that bicyclists and pedestrians are more likely to be injured by cars there than other roads in the city. Why do you think that has been the case? You wouldn't think that a street within a protected park would necessarily be as dangerous as some other major roads. But I, it yeah. Is. I mean, there were some really awful fatalities um, on JFK drive. I'm trying to remember what year that was. It was about, I don't know, four years ago. Anyway, um, the truth is like, I think you know, you, you can just be walking there and see that people are using it as a thoroughfare. They're not driving to the park and park. I mean, some of the people are driving there and to the park, but a lot of people use the park as a cut through to get to other parts of the city. And that's feels especially painful when it is a park. It's supposed to be our, you know, amazing crown jewel. And it is in so many ways, but when you've got 
vehicles roaring by during rush hour. It's, I mean, it's, I think John McLaren is rolling in his grave. <laughs> it's not the vision yeah. for the park. The park's original vision was this, you know, woodland refuge. And yeah, th- those are those moments. It just feels like cognitive dissonance to have that happening in our, in our incredible Golden Gate Park. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true that most other city parks um, around the world do not allow through traffic on every street like Golden Gate Park has long? Yeah, it's a good, that's a good question. I mean, last year was when New York City closed Central Park to traffic. So that was pretty awesome. Um, when I, I don't know of other, you know, we're, we're a very special kind of city with a very special <laughs> humongous like park. Yeah. I mean, this is what it yeah. truly, Golden Gate Park truly is one of the world's great urban parks. Um, so I think a lot of European parks don't have any vehicle traffic and, uh, I mean, again, certainly when you're envisioning what a park is supposed to be, it, it's not a bunch of traffic. So it's not like a freeway. Yeah. No, I get I get so frustrated on the weekends when there it's literally back to back traffic through, um, you know, where Ninth hits and it cuts through the park next to the conservatory. Mm-hmm. And you can't even cross at the crosswalk <laughs> because there's cars are just sitting in the crosswalk. And I'm like, what? This is not. Yeah. Yeah. So um, during shelter-in-place, the city has shut a number of streets, including Page Street, 41st Avenue, and the Sunset with some more on the way for um, that initiative, but also has closed car traffic to Twin Peaks and the Great Highway and, like you said, Shelley Drive and McLaren Park. Um, so that's a lot better than we've seen <laughs> in previous months and years. Um, are you excited that this is happening or disappointed that it took a global health crisis to do what you've been calling for for so many years? Yeah, I mean, I I think this is, I'm, I wish I could interview everyone in San Francisco. Um, But I have to think that someone experiencing that kind of space, maybe having new thoughts about our city and what it could look like and what it could feel like Mm -hmm. for people. Uh, It's kind of like going to Sunday streets. If you've never gone to Sunday streets before, you don't know what the mission can feel like when you're walking in the middle of the street surrounded by people like dancing, (laughs) you know, it's, and you can just see the buildings from a different perspective and the way you can enjoy a space when there's not dangerous automobile traffic around you. It's just very different. So I was thinking about that when I was biking along um, the great highway last week. And I was just like, holy cow, it felt like someone had just created a national park overnight. It was unbelievable. And, uh, I'm biking along there and just thinking like, what do all these people think who are doing this? It's, you know, are they like also having, having this, you know, what, what could San Francisco be? And I think that's a moment we want to take advantage of in terms of rethinking or just, you know, progressing our thinking about San Francisco's future. And I, I'm so obsessed with Milan, Italy right now, which is a similar size city as San Francisco. And last week they announced these plans that are, they're just hyperspeeding this rapid pedestrian and bicycling infrastructure across the whole city. And they are saying this, we, we wanted to do this anyway for all kinds of reasons, climate, supporting local businesses. And this is the kind of city we want to be. And we're just going to do it in one year instead of 10 years. And, um, wow. and, the, and seeing that as a way to be a resilient city that can recover faster because it can be a place where you are making foot traffic the your city you, you know I like where i mean i feel like that's why we live in cities is for, for you know the magic of human beings out in the world on the streets supporting our businesses going to restaurants and 
how do you create more of that? And um, that's, they're just like, that, that's how we're going to do it. We're just going to make yeah. our city absolutely a premier space for walking and biking everywhere. And will your organization, Walk SF, make the point to City Hall and SFMTA that these changes that we've initiated here in San Francisco should remain, or at least some of them? Every time they've announced one, they've made it clear this is only during shelter in place and then everything goes back to normal. But are you hoping that they might see the light? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope everybody's kind of, again, seeing the light of what kind of city we do we want to be. And I mean, I'm seeing so many people walking and are we going to encourage that? Because it's the only and, thing to do. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, and it feel it's like it feels just so necessary right now for all kinds of reasons. But it are we going to support that as a city and help even more people do that more of the time and make it really, really, really mm -hmm. safe for them? Um, mm -hmm. So I hope that all these things that people are experiencing with the car-free spaces and streets with way, way less cars on them um, is part of this this awareness building or whatever you want to call it for, for this time we're in. It's a weird yeah. experiment that happens to be occurring as, as a side effect of these um, bigger, very, very serious issues. So. Yeah. And every time I write about this, I get a lot of angry email from people who are in love with their cars um, saying that San Francisco has a war on cars. Do you buy into that at all? Or do you think they're and just not, uh, seeing this issue in the right way. Yeah, maybe maybe they've been taking some more walks during this time and are <laughs> seeing things from a little more of a pedestrian perspective. I think that's possible. There probably are some people, you know, like you said at the beginning of this interview, how many, th you know, how many miles of streets are 100% all about the vehicle? And mm -hmm. are we willing to start giving a little bit of space to people? And I think the benefits to us as a city are you know, they're, they're going to be worth it. Um, you know, the war, it's not like we're taking anybody's car away or whatever, but yes. this is a city where the, you know, the point is us having places we can walk to and being able to do that. And, um, I mean, that's why I live here. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And even during this time where some things are closed, it's like, I'm still walking to, um, get groceries and pick up takeout from the place that I love that I don't want to close. And so, that's why we're here. And if everyone drives everywhere, you, you can't support that kind of a city in the same way. I'm Heather Knight, and I'll be back with Marta Lindsay. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with Marta Lindsay, a pedestrian advocate with Walk SF. You've been a big advocate of Vision Zero, which is the city's program, which aims to eliminate all traffic deaths by 2024. But last year was a very bad year with 29 um, traffic fatalities, including 18 pedestrians, I believe, um, which was the most since 2015. Where do you think San Francisco has gone wrong in eliminating traffic violence? Well, I think part of it is the city just has to keep moving faster and faster on this, in part because, I mean, in the last five years, we've seen an incredible growth of automobile traffic. Um, and more delivery vehicles too, and more Uber and Lyft. And so we've had kind of a perfect storm of additional challenges, I think. And so, you know, I always say I'm like, thank goodness the city did adopt Vision Zero and really started getting focused on a, you know, a, a data focused approach to fixing the most dangerous streets and taking it on in a, a strategic way and looking at how do you prevent crashes from happening in the first place because you've gone to those dangerous streets and redesigned them. Um, I, I, so I think the city had a lot 
a lot of challenges being thrown at it. That being said, we, I mean, and this is what we're talking about now, what happens now when the traffic starts to go up on our streets again, and we can't let the fatalities start to go up to, I mean, it's just going to be devastating to see that, you know, I mean, I, I, I think we're all so, we're thinking so much about how do we protect people right now? And we've got a, got a lot of things we need to protect them from as we at some point here we start to move out of the COVID-19 time yeah. um and so so there have been no um pedestrian deaths that I could tell during the shelter in place right there have not so been that maybe yeah Cra- crash rates lining. are you know traffic is half and so the crash rates are have gone down with that they haven't gone away um and I think that's something you know our streets are not magically perfectly safe now they're safer because of a lot less traffic traffic but um i know a lot of people are feeling like speeds are up we know that from the red light traffic cameras that red light running is up and i think it's interesting how driving behavior also changes when the streets are more open in terms of other vehicle traffic so yeah we have to have this stuff in place so that when we eventually return to whatever the new normal is um people are safe on the streets and and again like encouraging walking like this is a this is a transportation mode and we are in a compact city and with great weather and how can we make it easier for more people to walk more places safely and i think um you know especially with muni being at seriously reduced service and people are going to need to be social distancing when they are starting to return to work and we don't want it just to become like, oh, here go, here comes the Uber and Lyfts taking over our city. That's how everyone's going to get mm-hmm. to their work now. That would be a nightmare. So I, we've got to figure out what needs to be in place to ensure, ensure, safe, ensure the safe streets. Um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. And I'm talking a <laughs> lot. So I'm going to stop <laughs> right now. Well, we'll have to have you on for a sequel. But in the meantime, I wanted to switch gears to a more fun topic which is your new children's book about Golden Gate Park. Um, what is the exact title? I don't want to get it wrong. Golden Gate Park, an A to Z adventure. Yay. And this comes out next week? Yep, May 5th. Great. So um, what has it been like to try to sell a book when bookstores are closed and we can't gather? I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is a small problem in the world of problems right now. And I yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I just worry about, those those small businesses and especially we love our independent bookstores and then it's great to see all these ways that people can support them right now and i'm giving a plug right now to bookshop.org which i just learned about where if you buy books through that they get straight straight uh shipped straight to you but then it splits the um money between independent bookstores and your zip code so that's one way you can you know spread the love around to places that really really need the love um and then right now i'm i'm working with green apple books to do a special thing where you can get a signed copy of my book and support them that way directly. Um, yeah, just trying to go directly to the source when possible. But this other thing is very cool for spreading the money around as well. Yeah. How did your love for Golden Gate Park get started? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> who doesn't love Golden Gate Park, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, yeah, I've lived, clo- you know, one block away from it for 12 years now. And it's like the backdrop of so many of my best San Francisco memories. And, and it's an incredible place. I mean, it, I, I just, 
I had to write a book about it because it was, I had so much <laughs> love I had to express in some way, but I just, there's so many unique things about it. It's so huge. And I have to say, I get emotional thinking back to when they were deciding where are they going to put Golden Gate Park and before it was even called Golden Gate Park, but there, you know, Hayes Valley was an option. There were other people thought that where they were thinking of putting it out here was just complete boonies. There was no way to get out here. And it was just a wasteland of dunes. And thank goodness that some people had the vision to push forward anyway, because I mean, we have more than a thousand acres and yeah, we need it <laughs> right now. We Definitely. really need it. And yeah, I'm appreciating it more than ever. Yeah, no, the love, the waves of love for it. So I'm so grateful to the people 150 years ago for having having that. I mean, the city was a fraction of the size in terms of population, but yeah, they did it. Yeah. And the park just celebrated its 150th birthday, but the big uh, party in the park was canceled because of the pandemic and it was virtual instead. But there's a big Ferris wheel for the occasion just sitting there, <laughs> not working. Any idea what the plan is for that? I need to look into that. I know. I just, yeah, they must have just had ride a the Ferris wheel. contract where they just like had to build it in a certain <laughs> window. And so I think the day that that starts turning will be a day that we can all gather around and cheer and cry. So yeah. it'll be pretty momentous. And they, it actually, there've been moments like that in the past in the park throughout history, you know, regarding World War One and other mm. things where people have gathered in very, very large numbers in the park to acknowledge you know, a crisis and loss. And maybe the park mm -hmm. can be that for us later on when we get yeah. to the other side of this, whenever that is. Let's hope so. Well, now it's time for the lightning round. I know you're familiar with this. <laughs> I might have thought about the movie question a little bit, although <laughs> it was so easy. I didn't really have to think about it. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? It's actually uh, El Castellito. Um, mm -hmm. Church in DeBose. I used to live in that neighborhood and it's one of the few vegetarian burritos that actually has vegetables in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, now here's the movie question. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Okay. So this is just no brainer. Always be my maybe with Ali Wong. I and I'm like yes. super proud and get kind of obnoxious about how I have followed her since very early in her career in San Francisco. And I used to like be her Facebook friend when she only had a few Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think she remembers me, but she, that movie has scenes in Golden Gate Park, which is also reasons to love it on the music concourse in front of the DeYoung. And she also refers to Claude the Alligator that lives at the Academy of Sciences. Oh, that's awesome. I want to watch that again. Um, where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Oh my gosh. <sighs> You know, there's not a lot of stiff drinks happening in my life even before all this. <laughs> <You can think laughs> <back. Okay. laughs> I have two young children. But I would say um a good margarita, the uh Nopalito margaritas. Yes. Yeah, mm. That is good. What was your first concert? Oh my gosh, this is such a fun question for me. I did not think about this at all, but it's Tina Turner. I went with my mom and I was like seven years old and it was amazing. <laughs> Where did you see Tina Turner? Um, somewhere in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And they kept telling mm -hmm. people to be careful with their lighters because everyone had so much hairspray in their hair that it was a fire hazard. <laughs> That's amazing. What was the last book you read? The last book I read 
<laughs> that also might not happen a lot with little kids. Um, <laughs> well, that's what's a weird. I've been reading a book about the Donner Party because it's oh, sort of a weird fascination with it. Um, California. I didn't grow up in California, so I think the California history and Golden Gate Park history, it's all kind of part of my fully embracing being this now that we'll never leave. So, yeah, you're really um, embracing the depressing <laughs> subjects during this time. Yeah. Um, which is better, the East End of Golden Gate Park or the West End? Oh, um, you know, I I know that you can get more solitude on the West End, but the East End is where I live. And I just, again, the layers of memories at so many places, I can't. And it's got like some of my, even including the West End, like there's like my favorite spots in the AIDS Memorial Grove area, that their East End. You told me once about a very momentous thing that happened in the Botanical Gardens. Right. That was where I went into labor. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, layers of memories, like I said. Yes. Yes. Uh, What was the most surprising fact about the park that you learned while writing your new book? Oh my gosh. So, so many. Um, I do think one of my favorite things to tell people about is that there was a grizzly bear living in the park um, Mm -hmm. for 20 years. And People, that was Monarch. That was Monarch. Yeah. And his whole story is so insane. Um, of course, there were grizzly bears really living in the park a long time ago. So I'm sure before it was developed, yeah. they were probably hanging out. Um, so I love I love Monarch. I love the Monastery Stone story and how those ended up in Golden Cape Park, too, is definitely a, an obsession of mine. So, yeah. Cool. Um, which street should San Francisco close to cars next? Ooh, ooh, wow. Um, you know, I probably Valencia. Um, but I think beyond that, we've got to think about how do we create that pedestrian network so people can actually get where they need to go into downtown from different parts of the city on a safe, um, of you know, pedestrian boulevard type thing. I think it's really cool they closed Page. I think because if you're on this side of town, that's a really easy straight shot downtown. Yeah. So that's the kind of street mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. If you had more streets like that that were feeding downtown, that could really be incredible for when people are starting to return to work and need that spacing. Yeah. What is the percentage chance if you had to place your bets now that any of these new street closures will remain long term after shelter in place is over? Oh, um, oh my. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I, I just, it's really hard to make predictions right now about anything. But again, I hope that there's this realization that car-free spaces can be part of a, a stronger, healthier, more resilient San Francisco and people are not going to want to say goodbye to all of them. So Mm-hmm. I think it 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 sets the path for us for some some better things in the future. What are you most looking forward to about shelter in place ending? What will you do first that you can't do now? Oh, I know. There's just like the the huggy. <laughs> <laughs> we call my brother-in-law the huggy monster with my kids. I'm like it's just like the need for hugs is it's huge. Yeah. Just like a humongous yeah. humongous citywide hug. Definitely. And last question, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? It's Golden Gate Park. I mean, for real. <laughs> the days that I feel yuckier and I'm struggling more are the days that I didn't make the time to get over there. Oh, interesting. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was fun to talk to you. Thanks so much, Heather. Are you a fan of Golden Gate Park or do you know children who are? 
Marta Lindsay is giving away four copies of her new book, Golden Gate Park, an A to Z adventure, to listeners of Fifth and Mission. To enter, review the podcast on any platform. It can be positive, negative, or somewhere in the middle. Send a screenshot to me at hnight at sfchronicle.com to be entered in the giveaway. Good luck. And thank you to Marta Lindsay for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.